Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. This is a podcast where I, your host, Connor McKay, bring on a guest to talk about a video game that is special to them and why. We'll talk uh, not only about what made playing the game special and what they love about it, but what was interesting or noteworthy about the context of when they fell in love with it for the first time. Hence the name, Call Me By Your Game. Uh, A little housekeeping up front. Uh, If you want to learn more about the show uh, or visit our very basic website, we've got one at callmebyyourgame.com. You can email us at callmebyyourgamepodcast at gmail.com. We got a freaking email recently, which felt like a, a GD miracle. So thank you, Jackson Hughes. Uh, if you have anything, you know, memories you want to share about this game, about another game, or any ideas you have, anything you want to really share with me, feel free to hit us up. Uh, and then there's a few ways that I always encourage people to support the show. If you're enjoying it, um, very uh, the very uh, straightforward ways you can rate and review us on the Apple Podcast Store that helps our visibility. You can share the show with a friend, whether they love this game, another, or just games in general. And lastly, of course, we have a Patreon, uh, which is all a part of the Super NPC Radio Network, um, which is you know myself, producer Jeremy Schmidt. July ideas. We have a, just a bunch of bonus content there. It's a lot of stuff like this. So if you like this, you might enjoy the rest of what we have there. But that's it for the housekeeping. We can put away. We can put away the broom. We can put away the the duster. Uh, we can. I'm trying to think of other uh, household cleaning items. Um, the toilet brush. I even I did the toilet brush before my guest came today. Uh, but please welcome uh, our guest for the episode, a Mariologist, fashion icon comic strip auteur and Mr. Boop himself, Alec Robbins. Welcome. Wow. It's so, what a great list of titles. I'm so happy with where my life has led me. It's great to be <laughs> here, Connor. It. How are you? I'm really good. This is uh, this is really fun to have you on the show. We we know each other through Jeremy Schmidt. Uh, we have guy. Gotten, love that guy. Love that guy. If he's listening right now, love you, Jeremy. Um, but please stop listening because we will shit on you for the rest of the episode. Jeremy, so just re- if you're listening, I love you very much. We're not going to shit on you. I don't know why Connor said that. Okay, we love you. I think Alec and I have two very different uh, hopes for what this show ends up being today. No, now that he's, um, now that he's satisfied, Jeremy yes. is so annoying to look at. It's fine when he talks, but just seeing him... Grinds my gears. I have been waiting for a guest to to not only be on my side with this, but to share it themselves so it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, baiting you into it. So thank you, Alec. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Is this, oh, too, is this too niche that we're just talking about our friend Jeremy? Not really. You know, they know <laughs> they him. They know Jeremy. Uh, okay. They, they, know, they know him pretty well. He used to be, you know, back when we can record in studio, he used to be the the laughter, the extra voice on the side. We'd sometimes, like, go to him when we needed, like, an expert on something. But now he's this just like ethereal presence that puts the show together uh and that's about it but yeah so that's how we met we've gotten to do a few episodes of video games a comedy show together uh recently we got to you know put together the jeremy's birthday documentary i guess we'll call it the last dance parody (laughs) um that was like an easy way to see each other again and i was like i gotta have alec on the show so um, first off, thank you for being here. It means a lot. And second, is there any other way people might know you or something you wanted to share about yourself? Sure. Uh, how would people know me? They, uh, Mr. Boop is the big thing now. That's that's the one that <laughs> took the internet by storm. It's the big thing for us all, not just you, Alec. This is like <laughs> the big thing for 
the world, maybe. I think out of everything that's going on in the world right now, Mr. Boop is <laughs> has got to be the biggest and least important. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love I love you. You know, I, I love that you are uh, obviously, hopefully, you know, super proud and excited about what you've done with your with your comic strip, but also understanding that, like, yeah, we've got bigger fish to fry right now. <laughs> yeah, no, please read Mr. Boop if you want to look at a horny drawing of Betty Boop for a little bit. Um, but otherwise, please turn to the rest of the world and let's try to deal with all that. <laughs> there we are. Uh, I <laughs> love it. I well, guess people might have played my game Heartbreak High, a breakup yes. simulator, which is just a reverse dating sim where you're already dating everyone in the high school and then you have to break up with them one by one. Or Ooh, I love yeah. the <laughs> deconstruction of the genre. That's what it is. You know, I don't like constructing genres. I like breaking them. There we go. Kind of like barriers. That's what you're all about is breaking them down. I'm like Andrew Dice Clay. I I am <laughs> the edgiest person in my field. Uh, and I really that might I don't think I'm like him at all. I, I regret starting that <laughs> sentence. I, I I saw I saw you uh, sort of sink into it for a second and realize I've got to make a change here. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone uh, actually agreed with me when I said that, I would like to apologize and let's let's change my life around. I'm going to completely go in a different direction. I'm done being go. the me that I am, and I'm ready to start being the non-Andrew Dice Clay Alec Robbins. I love it. We're we're, we're changing lives on the show. This is great. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's really that's awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll plug your. Uh, we'll plug Mr. Boop at the end and give people, you know, ways to find it, um, which should be pretty easy. But yeah, for now, Alec, before we get into, um, you know, really focusing on the game that you brought today, which uh, which I'll let you introduce in a second. We'll want to talk about your history with video games, as I said before. But yeah, what are what are we talking about today, my friend? You, you want me to reveal it? Yes. Is this I, the big reveal? I, I always do a bad job of like of. Because it always sounds like I'm about to reveal it to the guests or to the audience. And then I'm like, hey, guest, why don't you do this? I will reveal it. I'm glad you gave me the opportunity. The game we are talking about today, maybe my favorite game of all time. Ooh. Donkey Kong Country 2 for the Super Nintendo. Um, it is, should I talk about it? Are we saving that? Should I, should I start gushing about Hey, <laughs> if you want to do like a quick gush that we're going to get to dive into more later, go for it. You're listening to a quick gush with Alec Robbins. Today's <laughs> That's topic, your Donkey podcast. Kong Country 2. This game on the Super Nintendo is a finely tuned 2D platformer with pre-rendered 3D graphics and a colorful cast of characters that you're sure to enjoy. Why, there's a fun bunch of wilderness-themed levels and pirates and everything you could ask for in a... Okay, I think I've hit my fill of <laughs> whatever that pitch that. character was, but... You know what? The, that was a great Pitchman character, Alec. There's a, there's a recurring theme on this show where I will um, something will happen. You know, because it's it's we're it's like jazz on this show. We're going back and we're going forth, but something will happen, and I decide to pitch that as the uh, as the segment that we always do, which is never a segment we've ever done or we'll ever do again. <laughs> and I think this one, you did it for me, which was the quick gush. <laughs> so quick gush. Is that, that sounds like either a gushers podcast or something I don't think I should listen to. Oh, it's not safe for work. So you should not listen to it. I don't think you're ready. <laughs> maybe, maybe when someone tells you about gushing and 
all the all the fun porno stuff, then you can take a listen, all right? But not right now. Okay. Yeah, and I've got some uh, I've got some maturing to do before that. Um well, I'm really excited that you wanted to talk about this because the first episode actually ever of this show, uh, we had friend of the show, L. Eckleon, to talk about Donkey Kong Country. Um, and that was like the, like hanging out with her for the first time was the reason that I got the idea for a show. I knew I wanted to do some sort of video game related, like nostalgia connection podcast, but it was he- hearing from her on what was special uh, for her. Like she remembered playing with her sister, playing it uh, at my apartment was like, it was like she was riding a bike again. It was awesome. So I'm really excited to sort of not close the loop because we still have this is the last three. episode. If, if, <laughs> yeah, that will be the last episode. If anyone ever is like, "Hey, I want to come on your show and do number three, I'm just gonna know that's the time. You know, there's two more. You got to cover those um, two. returns and, and tropical freeze. Tropical freeze, which of course. So I we will get to this, but oh, I love tropical freeze too. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love it. Well. Well, killer. So why don't we just get into um, into your history with video games, Alec? I'd love to know as much or as little as you'd like to share. But I guess the first question I have for you is, is there a time that you remember being conscious of video games or did they did you always have them in your house? How did you get involved? I have, I've thought about this before. I don't know what led to. I don't remember ever asking for video games. I was the older child. So I was the first, I have a younger brother and I was the first kid. So mm. like, it wasn't like I had an older brother or sibling who introduced me to them. And I know my parents like didn't really know what they were, but I do know that I had a Super Nintendo and an original Game Boy growing up. And mm. I don't know which came first. I don't know. Maybe my parents just like heard you're supposed to buy kids video games because I wasn't choosing these things. Like we just, sure. I just ended up with games at the beginning and I didn't even know where to find out which new ones to get unless I went to Toys R Us and walked through the aisle and picked yeah. out one that I liked. But I had the biggest room in the house growing up for some reason. <laughs> and in the back of that room, there was like a smaller, like an attic style room with like a slanted mm. ceiling. So it was like a triangle shaped room yeah. in which my parents had let me set up a a small tv and i had the super nintendo hooked up to it dude it was i mean it, looking back that was the perfect setup yes and it was just like because it wasn't even my room it was like the back area of my room so i had like a second <laughs> i had a room within my room which again seems a, ludicrous now <laughs> would, that's like how when i mean i i've known friends who have moved to la and they've been like yeah so my room is like it's not actually a room it's kind of like a partitioned living room it it, that's not what it sounds like but it's like oh you have two sections to it like this yeah this one literally had a door to another room oh (laughs) that's that's what i'm saying like i don't know how to explain it yeah like it it was only accessible through my bedroom it wasn't a closet it was like i guess maybe it could have been used as a closet but it had a window and everything it was a full extra room It was meant, you were meant to play Super Nintendo in that room, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was sure. my gaming room. Um, I have like Where memories did you grow of, up, by the way? This is uh, West Bloomfield, Michigan, which is a... Okay. Uh, I hate that town. I have no <laughs> no love <laughs> no love for West Bloomfield. Very like um, upper middle class, very snobby mm. sort of town. Um, gotcha. That I was very happy to leave behind. But I mean, I grew up, my family growing up, we had like, we had money, we were comfortable and mm. we had i had this extra room dude love it <laughs> so sorry i got you off track a little bit no it's fine. um but so please yeah I, i've 
I mean, I'm thinking of that room specifically because, like, that's just where a lot of, like, gaming memories were for me. Like, I remember um, I had, like, a kidney stone as a kid or some other surgery, which is insane. It's a whole other story. But I remember I was out of commission and I couldn't go to school. And it happened to be the exact week that Ocarina of Time came out. What? So, yeah. So you like, you might be the chosen one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I remember. Well, I was in pain. I just had surgery, and it it sucked. Yeah. But I was also like unable to move, lying in a beanbag chair or something. Who knows what it was? Just like playing Ocarina of Time for a week straight with nothing in my way or no interruptions. Well, like my parents oh my like helped feed me. <laughs> it was wow. Great. Like stuff I, like I that like in that th- back room. <laughs> I love it. I like to think the beanbag chair was like the doctor recommended like thing to sit in. I, I don't have any other memory of there being a beanbag chair in there. It might not even be right, but it sound it feels right. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um, that's some. Did you? I have just a quick question, yeah. and I'll ask you questions throughout the show. So I'll start now. Is um, when you played Ocarina of Time when it came out. Um, was that, had you played a Zelda game before and was it like accessible to you? Yes. Cause when I had, it was very, very new experience to me. Okay. So I, I did not play link to the past first. Somehow that one, mm-hmm. that one got by me, but one of my other favorite games of all time is links awakening on the game. Oh Boy. yes. And I had that. Um, and that game that was, I definitely know that was my first ever exposure to Zelda. I remember like I was at like a family launch like with my friend and he pulled out his game boy and showed me the game. And I'm like, I need this. I remember that was, that was a game I asked for. Yes. So I was very familiar with that one and the jump okay. from that to Ocarina of time felt insane to me. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Cause I also, in that room, I also remember I had like a babysitter who would bring her boyfriend over all the time. <laughs> and when Mario 64 came out, cause we used to play like he, he would play the super Nintendo games with me and we'd play Mario all-stars and awesome. um, when Mario 64 came out, I remember us arguing over like, I'm like, it's the graphics are amazing. This is so much better. And this is my first like exposure to somebody who was staunchly nostalgic, like, no way. The old ones are always going to be better. <laughs> Incredible. So arguing with it. But I mean, of course, we were both like floored by the 3D. Oh, trend. yeah. That was you were- yeah the biggest jump I've ever seen in video games, probably. I love it. You earlier said something that I related literally to was talking about how you didn't necessarily, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. um, know how to seek out games on your own aside from walking through the Toys R Us aisle. And that was the same for me. Like (laughs) I specifically seeing Mario 64, uh, because I grew up playing one and uh, two, seeing that in the at Toys R Us at like a kiosk uh, absolutely blew me away. And I, I was like, okay, this has to be a part of my life. <laughs> yeah, it was, it really is like, I guess eventually I had Nintendo power and that helped mm-hmm. me a lot to mm-hmm. narrow down what I wanted to play. I had uh, boxes of those and I wonder if they're still out there somewhere, but um, yeah, otherwise I remember like, Oh, I recognize Kirby. I want that game. I recognize Mario. And every once in a while I take some risk and, God, I had a Game Gear too, and I Whoa. feel like every game I had on Game Gear was such a bust. <laughs> like I'm sure there's good games on it, but I just had the worst luck picking them. Oh no! And there's plenty of like I had plenty of Game Boy games that sucked too. Pretty good track record with every Super Nintendo game I had. I got some heavy hitters, and Ooh. even the ones that should have been bad were good. Like that Tiny Toons game, Buster Busts Loose. Yeah, that's a good game. I've went back. Yeah. I've gone back to it. It's it's hold. It's good. It holds up. It's well designed. 
And you love platformers famously, that correct? Is, yeah, that's my favorite type of game for sure. It's what I'm best at too. Like I cannot play first person shooters. I mean, I, I like Half-Life 2. I mm. like, uh, I, I enjoyed what I played of Doom. I'm just really bad at them and I struggle. Yeah. Whereas like with platformers, I'm, I'm, it's very natural to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you had, you know, you're in this N64 age. Were you like purely, were you already purely a Nintendo kid and, and, and did you remain that way like through junior high and high school? Very Nintendo loyal. And okay. I actually like, I had to go back in my adult life and like, re- like learn to play all the PlayStation classics. And I kind of would have wanted a Sega cause I loved Sonic, but I didn't, the closest I had was a Game Gear. Yes. I was obsessed with Sonic. I didn't own a Sega system <laughs> because I had like the Sonic comics and watched the TV show and everything. And the character was like appealing to me, but no, I, I mainly stuck through Nintendo and I like from GameCube on, I think I've gotten every Nintendo system like day one. Oh, I was gonna, I was going to ask you about that too. That's amazing. Even, even the Wii U, you were like oh, there. God, I, I listen, I still stand by the Wii U. Although that first year was rough. That first year was very rough. I I think I realized how far I had like slipped off of video games at that specific time and from Nintendo because I didn't need like I saw I knew the Wii U was coming out and I saw advertisements for <laughs> it and watched like YouTube videos I'm pretty sure and I was like I don't I just like didn't see a need for it I got it two years later so I eventually you know righted my wrong right before it was discontinued <laughs> exactly um but. But yeah, obviously it's a it's like famously of course like one sold super poorly and two is now underrated because there's some great games on it. Yeah, and you can play I think every Zelda game on there except maybe Skyward no no you can play Skyward Sword on there with the Wii. There's like one game missing, but I think almost it's the only system where the entire Zelda library is basically available to you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, of course cuz yeah, Breath even of the Wild DS games are on there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's like reason for me. I mean, I like picking up old cartridges, so I might do that. But anyway, um, that is cool. Uh, what about, were you like, so day one for the Switch too? where oh, were yeah. you? Speci- I have a specific. <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. So here's specifically, I want to know where you were at uh, in, with your relationship, uh, in your relationship with Nintendo when the Switch was announced and when it came out, were you still like full on board? Like, were you playing a ton of Nintendo games too? Were you still up to date or had you dropped off by that point? No, I would say uh, the, the only time I've ever dipped is during the Wii era. I think when mm. I said I got uh, the console day one every time, I think that was the only one I didn't. Yeah. Um, but no, when like I am maybe partly defined by my love for nintendo it's bad (laughs) but i'm like i wear it proudly i'm like those like looney tunes moms with tweety birds everywhere in their house but with nintendo um yeah when the switch was like and well also i i i am not a stocks person i have no interest in finances but i do regret (laughs) if i had just purchased stock in nintendo during the wii era because i knew I, i knew i should because I knew yes. the switch was going to be the rebuttal. Like I could tell, I could feel it in the air. And to yes. this day, I'm like, oh, I should have just dumped all my money. I didn't have any money to dump into it, but <laughs> but if I knew, I knew that there was going to be the comeback. So I was like, not only ready for the switch, but like mm-hmm. actively pitching it. Which I love it. Fuck me for being like a company uh, chill, but right. I, I, I it's the only this is the only company I have that ethics uh, that ethical problem with because I. I 
I'm against like shilling for any company and yet I just really do happen to like Nintendo. <laughs> it's so hard. That's like that's I've been bumping up against that a lot recently too cuz I feel very similarly. I also um I'm so intrigued to hear you express. I feel like we were like feeling the same thing. I remember when the switch was coming out yeah the moment and i wasn't up to the rumors i didn't know about the nx i maybe knew a console was coming but i, I didn't know that it was you know maybe going to be a handheld too oh so i knew that i was all, i was up in all you of you were yeah was <laughs> so when i saw the first trailer you know where this guy's playing you know breath of the wild on his tv and then yep. he goes and picks the switch out yep. of the dock <laughs> my, that like sent i had not had a shockwave go through me like that in my life since I saw Super Mario 64 on a TV at that <laughs> Toys R Us. I, and I suddenly, Alec, it was truly like some, like I snapped my finger and I was suddenly like... That's the Switch I'm, sound. You just did that. It's, it's perfect, uh, <laughs> which is my text tone uh, and has been uh, for a long time now. But I was at, I was simultaneously like just riveted and immediately back on board. And I also was so hyped for it. I was like, I think this is going to do really well. And this is going to like change things for Nintendo. And, and here we are. Yeah. As someone who like stood by the Wii U the whole time through, Mm -hmm. I think the Wii U had some of Nintendo's like best games in like a decade Mm, and they were all relegated onto a system that nobody bought. So I was stuck like constantly like, I can't recommend you buy a Wii U, but like Donkey Kong Country (laughs) Tropical Freeze is amazing. Pikmin 3 is amazing. Mario 3D World, like all these games were coming out that I wanted people to play and they wouldn't. Yes. And now they're all getting ported to Switch, which is great. But I remember just feeling Nintendo software wise, it was at the top of their game and getting better Mm -hmm. and better. And hardware wise, they had really fucked up. Yeah. But I also knew that anytime that they'd ever fucked up, they've like completely bounced back. So I knew they were capable of it. Also, Nintendo has been around for like, since like 1880 yeah like as a company so i have no i'm never scared that like they're gone i'm just like waiting for yeah. their, their next bounce back like right now i feel pretty annoyed that we're in like this long drought of games and nintendo might be resting on their laurels a little bit yeah because the switch is um selling incredibly well still yes not that i i try to not care about sales numbers but um i know that they matter <laughs> totally i mean i feel the same way and like I, you, truly this keeps happening you keep expressing things that i'm are, i'm just planning on asking you about <laughs> so I, lo- I love where your head's at we're we're in sync right now like it's perfect i love it um we're so, drift compatible you ever see pacific rim no i haven't it's there i don't know why i referenced it so you're fine <laughs> I thought you were going to say Joy-Con drift compatible. Oh, that's good. And that's a good little like, well, Nintendo twist to it. There we go. I'm always ready for the to tie it into Nintendo. Um, <laughs> do you mind if we talk about like what's going on right now briefly? I'd love to hear your thoughts on some stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, awesome. Even be- I, I am very like I'm such a Nintendo nerd, and I always keep up with like what's going on. So I don't know if I'm actually an expert or I just feel like one, but. There, before quarantine even started, before the pandemic hit, I already was feeling like Nintendo was about to hit a dip because yeah. every single big game, Animal Crossing was like the last heavy hitter that we were waiting for, aside from Metroid Prime 4 and the Breath of the Wild sequel, which all feel very distant. Oh, yeah. Um, especially Metroid Prime 4 when they announced that they were going to completely the- scrap it. <laughs> yeah. But. I was already dreading what was coming next because it didn't seem like they'd laid out a good roadmap for the next chapter. And so that coupled with quarantine and the pandemic, I realized, okay, 
So people are starving for the next batch of Nintendo news, and I don't think we're going to get it for a long time because there's nothing to share yet. Yeah. And so even the biggest rumor we have right now is a Mario or 3D Mario collection, mm-hmm. which is not a new game, which I, I, I'm all for. I would love, especially if it's a remake, I would love to totally. see what that looks like. Because Nintendo does not often do remakes like that, or when they do, they're usually pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I'm, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no! Uh, you, fin- you you please finish your thought. Oh yeah. And then okay. I'll and then I'll share. Yeah. So I was like, in my opinion, they have nothing right now, and they are using this conveniently to just not have to share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's there's a million reasons not to, and mm-hmm. they don't have to, and they won't. We're going to get something soon. I'm sure like Breath of the Wild 2 is probably very close. Uh, sure. There's a bunch of new Smash Bros. characters that need to come out in the next year. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'm, I am feeling, again, we're, 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 we're in sync. We're in whatever, Joy-Con drift, whatever we said earlier. <laughs> I am feeling very similar to you. I think the, the time I started to get like, it's so weird to be like, anxiety about it but where i started to be like i don't know when we're going to hear anything was when like january and february we didn't have an early year direct because they've done that and it of of course you know not doing one thing that they have historically done doesn't mean they're not going to do others but they haven't done others we have not had a general (laughs) it's true it's almost been a year famously you know nintendo fans of course we're all complaining about this on the internet but I think we're in a similar, it feels like we're coming from a similar place where we, I truly could not care less if they have to delay everything on their slate because of COVID. I do not care. That is understandable. I have so many games to play that I've A, oh, yeah. never played and B, want to revisit. It's not like we have a de- deficit of stuff to play. I think my concerns are A, we don't really have anything to look forward to from them that's new um and and like you said if we if these rumors are true which like it feels like we're it's like all we've got hope (laughs) all we've got to hope for now is like you know maybe 3d world comes out like 3d world deluxe and then this collection you're referring to yeah um but i am like you where we have gotten no communication and that's my i guess my issue well i think part of it is like if you're sorry to interrupt um, oh please but if you're I hate to look at it from this perspective, but if you mm-hmm. are a consumer <laughs> yeah. and you have invested in a product, and I know the way gamers do this is very unhealthy most of the time, but there is still something to it, even just as a casual fan, you want to know, you want to you want to plan out the future of this 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 thing you own, this like this format. I mean, Switch is essentially a medium and that you're waiting for like more installments to come out for i mean you're like you said there's a million things to already play but you want to have that security of knowing what's coming down the line i uh don't like that we think this way it's definitely like a capitalist yeah. thing that we're all trained to yeah. do however uh i am poisoned by it and i want to know i want to know what's yeah. coming for the thing i bought it's true yeah I and mean, i've i've like said this a lot recently uh which is just i would just love to hear from them one way or the other. It's like, like my which, old friend. I want to hear what Nintendo's up to. Yeah, just, you know, hear from them. And I'm not going to react in a crazy way, well, uh, the, depending on what the they say. The other thing that's uh, very frustrating with Nintendo is they have so many incredible properties that I, I'm a fan of almost all of them. Like, yeah. I 
I would like a new F Zero, a new Fire Emblem, a new Animal Crossing, a new any anything, a new Metroid, any of these games. I am incredibly interested in playing, and they come out so slowly and so sparsely because Nintendo does put that polish on, or they outsource it to a third party developer, and they rarely yeah. like whatever the options are. You don't get any of these games as often as you'd like. Um, True. You usually get one big Mario or three D Mario per generation. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, you get like a direct sequel, like Mario Galaxy Two. Yeah. And I mean, I want more. I want. I just like. I want. I know it's a lot to ask for. I know we're getting Breath of the Wild too. That's pretty big. Yeah. But not even like a hint of F Zero or Metroid. I mean, you have a hint of Metroid, but like it still sure. feels like a, a decade away, even though I know it's not. Yeah, I I remember when that Paper Mario trailer dropped, which totally surprised me. I have also, as a huge fan of the first two games, I have not picked up this one. I don't know if I will. Have you played it? It's fine. I I have played them all. I don't think I've skipped a single Paper Mario. However, I haven't really liked one since Thousand Year Door. Yeah. This one is the best of the new ones. Mm. I think Sticker Star, I think, is, I would never recommend color color splash was gorgeous looking yeah but again gameplay wise not very good this one just as gorgeous looking slightly better gameplay still overall Mm. i i don't i didn't finish it like i didn't care to finish it yeah yeah so even like this game that because i actually played thousand year door all the way through for the first time in like february oh wow yeah like i i had i had gotten a cool job which was a big deal for me and so i rewarded myself by buying that game for 50 dollars. it's still very expensive yeah very expensive but i was like you know what i'm i've been looking forward to this this has been the one for a while i've wanted to play anyway um i loved it i adored it and the first one is one of my all-time favorite games but when they had the trailer for this and at the end you know there's that part where paper mario has the metroid or the samus like helmet on yeah a bunch of people were like oh my gosh that's like we're gonna get a 2d metroid and i was like guys i'm not ready to believe in anything until like we just hear it from them you know there is a rumor though i do know there's that's and that's why it was like i want to believe but like oh I yeah can't no, you believe. gotta be careful yeah yeah and we invest and so much, much in this stupid hobby it's true and as much as we're discussing this now it's like you know what they could announce something next week but maybe you know not something to put all of our they, eggs they in will right they got to do something soon they skipped e3 entirely <laughs> i think that's my hope is that like we're not going to just have pikmin 3 and then all of these like partner games they've announced for the rest yeah. of the year we're i would assume we're getting something there's something for the we'll holidays i think it is the mario thing but yeah surprised they haven't announced it yet <laughs> which would be which would be a dream at mm-hmm. this point um well a uh, killer. So we got to share, and thank you for letting me take us down that rabbit hole. Oh, I love it. Um, last question for you is: Has there been a game recently then that you've played that you've really liked, or or a couple you feel like mentioning? Yeah, great question. Um, what have I been playing? I mean, honestly, I've I've had such a busy month that I've gotten just obsessed with Magic: The Gathering. Oh, and wow. I've been playing MTG Arena, <laughs> which is like the PC oh version gosh. of it. So I've been like obsessed with that, which I know doesn't really count as a video game, but it is technically the video version we'll of a paper game. But what I, I feel like I was playing something else recently. Um, oh, I've been replaying Phoenix Wright slowly. Okay. Which I just on the DS. No, there's the Switch trilogy, but I do oh, have it. On, I have it on the 3DS one. too. Yeah. Killer. Um, yeah. What else? 
I'm drawing a blank. I, I kind of I haven't been playing a lot of games this month. <laughs> I imagine when like you're trying to, you know, scour your memory bank, it's just like you're you're trying to sift through like every Betty Boop comic you've done, oh, every yeah. Mr. Boop comic. You're like, no, get out of the way. I'm trying to find something else. <laughs> and for the listener at home, I'm on the Zoom. I'm uh, swimming through uh, Invisible. Doing paper. a fun swimming motion. Oh, I did play. Yeah. I mean, Paper Mario was the one I played this month. I guess. Cool. At the beginning of the month. Um, and I was playing, I played a little bit of Fall Guys. Yeah, that's right. And you've, you're, I mean, famously, uh, <laughs> Fall Guys Victor. I, I won the first time. It, so the first when I was playing, I kept getting disconnected. I think I was playing yes. like the first or second night. The first time it didn't disconnect me, I won. <laughs> I love it. That's a I, flawless I really record. Since then. I don't think that game's very good to play. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the feel of it. I think for a 3D platformer, it's very like clunky. And yeah it's i get why because it's like an online game and there's a lot of yeah I get, I get the reasoning but totally i don't get me wrong i am enjoying it and liking it for the most part but there are moments like that where i'm like i feel like this isn't polished so well like i'll get frustrated yeah. by little things that would never happen in a mario game that's not super mario sunshine right. uh as far I, as like glitchy stuff i love sunshine <laughs> i love it too i played it and again that's one that i i had as a kid and i played through again this year for the first time and it's my favorite. It's like the best I've ever felt Mario feels in like as far as like between me and the controller to Mario was wonderful, but the the unpolished nature of it was a little frustrating the first time I It's re- so much more it. interesting to me though because very rarely do we get an unpolished Mario game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like from that from that perspective, a messy Mario game feels like a treasure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's special. Um, well, Hey, thank you. Thank you also for letting me just ask you a bunch of questions about that. I love to dive in. You don't have to thank me. It's, it's my pleasure. Perfect. Well, Hey, so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up, you know, your history. We will take a quick, uh, break and then we'll get back and uh, dive into some Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. (laughs) Love it. This is the host of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, Connor McCabe, and I am thrilled to announce that our show is now a part of the brand spanking new video game podcast network, Super NPC Radio, uh, and we've launched a Patreon in addition to support our shows. All the shows and content from Super NPC Radio are fully independent, and we finally have a way to not only make new video content, but more podcasts as well, bonus shows, and help pay for our expenses in doing so. We can offer several great tiers, and for $5 a month, you'll get access to our brand new weekly show, Super NPCs. At the following $10 tier, you'll get even more bonus content, including a monthly group episode of this show called Call Me By Your Game Co-op, where we discuss iconic games, their respective legacies, and their place in history. If this is interesting to you and you like this show, check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, and keep on enjoying those games, why don't you? 
Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, and I am here with our wonderful guest for this episode, Alec Robbins, of course, here to talk about Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. Um, Which I want to say is a pun that everybody goes, oh, I didn't realize that was a pun. Uh, Eight-year-old Alec got it. Okay. Alec was with it, folks. <laughs> Conquest is that the That's is the that pun. the pun? Yeah. There we go. I passed the test. Oh my gosh! Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So before we get into, as I said earlier, Alec, you know your personal history <clears throat> with this game. Um, we're gonna dive into some brief history and context. I will start sharing. If you want to interrupt at any time, please do, and okay. feel free to add on. Okay. Um, but it all just kind of just like go for it. So feel free. All right. So. Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest is a platform video game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo for the SNES in 1995. It's the second installment in the Donkey Kong Country franchise following the first game that essentially uh, uh, buoyed Nintendo during the end of the SNES lifestyle or lifestyle lifestyle life cycle, <laughs> making waves with its pre-rendered 3D sprites, fun platforming, and iconic characters, of course, Diddy and Donkey Kong. Uh, the story of this game, however, follows Diddy Kong and his girlfriend, Dixie Kong, who try to rescue Donkey after he is abducted by King K. Rule. The game is set on Crocodile Isle, which yeah, I is fun, so fun to say, Crocodile to Isle. Say. I want to say it now, Crocodile Isle. Okay, resume. There we go. Uh, the game is set there with eight worlds of varying environments, totaling 52 levels. Uh, it utilizes the same silicon graphics technology from the original, again, featuring the use of pre-rendered 3D imagery. Looks, uh, if you've not, if you played the first and not the second, they look very similar in a lot of ways. I think this one is way more colorful and goes there with a lot of the levels. Uh, and of course, Dixie's a lot physically different than Donkey Kong, but <laughs> it looks... You see the you see the similarities. It's it's I looks think like the same game. Two is a lot darker, but we'll we'll get to that. Like the color okay, palette, awesome. the color palette is much more grim throughout the game. Actually, I'm okay, surprised awesome. you said it was more colorful. But. I think I'm thinking of like that one level where there's like a circus in the background. Oh yeah, or, but even that is like so darkly lit. But yeah, I, I do know maybe, what you're talking about. Yeah, maybe it's like a, uh, we'll 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 figure it. We'll out. get there. Um, I'm not perfect, everybody. I no, promise. No, no, I'm just, uh, I want to discuss it. <laughs> I think that, oh, cause that's perfect. part of why I like this game. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll I get there. <laughs> that gets me excited. Um, so this sequel improved on the first game in, uh, what many feel in, I'd be interested to see what you think in almost every aspect, uh, Dixie and Diddy handle similarly in many ways, uh, making less of a distinct difference between the playable characters in the first game. Although, they do have their own differences. Um, I think do you want to touch on that at all? Yes, I, I think physically they look a little more similar than Diddy and Donkey. Totally. Did. But gameplay-wise, it's like such a... I think it's such a difference. Like Dixie can do mm -hmm. the, the hover and the float. So she's mm. like... To me, she was always more valuable to keep for a second. Um, yes. Diddy is like... It's less clear where his strengths are, but I think he can jump a little higher. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that they carry barrels, again, is different, which... Just the depth of the gameplay options like that, um, something you wouldn't see in like a Mario game. You would see it in Yoshi's Island, totally, which I think is the other impeccable 2D platformer. Mm -hmm. But uh, and again, we'll, we will probably get into Yoshi's Island at some point. But yeah, like there's there's so many different tiny, unobvious character or character differences between the two playable characters that make it interesting to play. Small things you have to adjust to, 
in the level design and the gameplay things that are locked out of depending on who you still have and if you yes. have both characters there's sorry it's just the the level of design here is like no it's great. so impressive and, and to me no need to apologize again this is a game i have a lot less experience than you this is a, a full disclosure to the listener i always come clean alec and i'll come <laughs> clean now this is a game I've not beaten. I've only finished the first, but I do have it on car- on cartridge. So I'll show it to you here, even though I'm sure you know you've seen it a million Excellent. times. I want to verify that that is the cartridge Connor's holding up. It's the correct game. It's uh, it is not <laughs> Cool Spot or anything else. It is Donkey Kong Country Two. Which I was gonna try to pull a fast one on you, but I figured you'd be too smart to miss that. You um, cannot fool so- me. In no way. Uh, so this is a game I've only played really a little bit growing up because my friend had it. But then uh, over the last six months since I got it in like January, um, that said, what you were saying about the subtle differences in like the in the options between the characters, I feel they, I feel like it permeates through the whole game. Yeah. And just like subtly opens up so much more than was available with just Donkey and Diddy. Some of the best level design I've seen in 2D games with like really intuitive secrets and really not only intuitive but inviting like really yes. mysterious somehow where you'll mm. you'll especially on like the world map where there's certain lost world entrances you can get to and try to figure out how to unlock those yeah there's and like you'll kick yourself because you'll notice oh i needed to keep this animal friend to get that secret like they always kind of signpost something you messed up on but not in a way that's unfair i think mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome. You, where you can like, um, the next time you play the level, you can try to keep that in mind and, uh, you know, not yeah. screw up that same way. <laughs> um, so, uh, like Alex said, uh, a Diddy or Dixie is known for her helicopter hair, which like lets her hover, which is probably the thing, at least from, from like my limited experience that seems like it opens it up so much. Um, or it's one of the things for sure. Now I'm thinking of more, but we'll no, I mean, get there. That's, that um, was one of my favorite like movement uh, mechanics I'd seen in like a game at that point. I yeah. I loved like getting like getting to fly in a video game. Any game to let you do like like the cape in Mario World or uh, oh yeah, what else? What else? Really? But like stuff like that. Anytime you could fly, it's such a freeing thing. But it relies on the game design so much because flying can break a 2d platformer like where's the challenge if you can just fly everywhere so this game in particular i think it's such a nice balance of it's not flying it's just a hover uh, yes. not, even, not even a hover you just fall slower while mm-hmm. you hold the button and so it lets you like make longer leaps but there's a certain trajectory to the angle like it's all so well thought out and so simple on the forefront but deep if you're trying to like unlock all the secrets which the levels want you to do all of these mechanics wouldn't actually matter if the level design didn't rise to the challenge and try to invite you to master them there's even like small little details um you know you can like roll off of an edge and then jump in the Mm -hmm. in midair like stuff like that which is almost it looks a little buggy but it's intentionally designed to allow for more movement options in a way that's fair to the player it feels intuitive even if it looks weird yes you're talking about when like as diddy you do a cartwheel and you're technically off of the platform but you can still get that jump yes that's right like a mid-air jump i think there's like some special it's in the instruction manual so it was like they had a name for it but okay gotcha um to sort of wrap up the little history and context uh diddy's conquest received critical acclaim and is still widely regarded as one of the greatest 2d platformers ever made it and it was featured on um when we were doing that lead up to the 
video games a comedy show's 100th episode yeah the first top 10 we did was uh for episode 91 was 2d platformers and this made it on the list and it got a got a high vote for me let's just say that <laughs> what was the number that it got number i think number one was super mario world um okay. number two yeah, i want to say hack was option hack choice <laughs> <laughs> right be original i think celeste was like number two that's a um, very fair contender and then i think mario 3 was three and i think diddy Con- or diddy Con- diddy's conquest was like seven or eight it was lower it's on crazy. there my f- and also my favorite i think the best 2d mario game is yoshi's island yes no, that no, also no made question. the list yeah i just think like as interesting as the other ones are that one is full of amazing ideas we we actually also got to cover that uh on the show uh Hell with yeah. with an uh, episode 20 with friend charlie mahelic um to sort of wrap up here, uh, it, this game was praised for its graphics, gameplay, and soundtrack, and it was the second highest selling game of 95, the sixth best selling game on the SNES, and the highest selling title that was never packaged with this system. So it didn't have nepotism wow. to, you know, get That's it over great. the hump. It's a real success story. Um, Good well, for killer. Donkey Kong. Um, what'd you say? Good for Donkey Kong. <laughs> Good for Donkey Kong. Uh, Alec, did you have anything that you wanted to share about the history and context before we just dive into, and of course you can share more as we go, right. but before we dive into your stuff? It's so funny because like context wise, it, it's, it literally doesn't go much beyond. I had this game on Super Nintendo as a kid, played it in that back cubby room and was floored by it. Like the, we haven't talked about it yet, but the other thing I love about this game and I'm not alone is the music. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. there's a f- the way the game is set up is you could pause in any level and the music could just play. So I would like do that. I would like be in my back room drawing or something, just leaving the Bramble Blast level music playing, Sticker Brush Symphony going in the background. Like I would just oh. I would just use this as a soundtrack because I loved the music so much. You were an early adopter of listening to video game music when you're not doing video game stuff. Exactly, and I love it. That's thanks to a, a good pause feature. If your pause feature pauses the music, fuck you. <laughs> that's a that's Alex's first hot take of the episode. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think not just the depth of the gameplay mechanics, and not just the fact that you're like this game had so many interesting things going for it at the time because a the pre rendered graphics were very i know they're polarizing and i actually do kind of think they're ugly but they were Mm -hmm. impressive um they're not as precise as you'd expect out of a 2d platformer which is another interesting thing that i i it's it baffles me that a game that has such imprecise looking graphics is still so playable and easily Mm -hmm. read i don't think a lot of games can get away with that that's just a testament to like how well designed this is because I mean, you, to to make a two D platformer, you want to make it very clear where the edge of the platform is, where your character sprite collision ends, and where you'd fall off. Like you want all those things, and I think this game muddies it, mm-hmm. and it still doesn't it doesn't mess it up. And, and sorry, I'm just gonna keep keep doing Please. this. This is, the, this is the long gush. We had the quick gush earlier. Here's the long gush. Long gush with Alec Rob. You're listening to long gush. <laughs> you also lose your name, your title character. That's yes. such a such a drastic choice to not be able to play as Donkey Kong in this game and relegate him to the the he's the Princess Peach role. You're trying to rescue mm-hmm. Donkey Kong. So that's already very subversive. Plus, you get to play as Dixie Kong, 
who is a girl, which is I might this might be the first game I played as a child where you could play as a girl. Yeah. And then even past that, Dixie is definitely better than Diddy to play. Yes. So like not only can you play as a girl, but there's an option and she's the better one. So it's like subversive in all these ways. And then you have this insane aesthetic where the first Donkey Kong, it makes sense. It's got a jungle theme. Donkey Kong Country Mm -hmm. has a jungle theme, which now we're very used to. We associate Donkey Kong with that. Before this, Donkey Kong was associated with like construction and the city. (laughs) So it sounds obvious, but like that was a very conscious choice. They introduced Diddy too in the first one. So you have like a new canon for Donkey Kong. This is his home. This is not like him dealing with Mario. These are his solo adventures in his solo world. But after you get past that like colorful jungle, Mayan, Aztec, uh, industrial vibe of the first one, they like, they didn't rest. They like decided, no, we're going to go completely bigger. We're going to do something completely different. So the vibe here is weirder darker like mm-hmm. the worlds aren't what you'd expect they're not like jungle level underwater world totally it's pirate ship it's uh carnival like mm-hmm. <laughs> you see a I lot of the stuff now but like really interesting world choices it's and- true and and I'm, I'm glad that you started to hit on a few of these early because as we sort of you know i sort of just uh just great glazed grazed over it we we went by it pretty fast yeah, which is glazed, o- glazed over our eyes glazed over as we reminisced of this game which is hard not to do because it's an incredible game um <laughs> but just thinking about exactly what you just shared were i think some very important points is that yeah we you lose the title character i mean he's donkey kong's name is still in the title yeah. of this game <laughs> uh and the third one when i don't is he in the third one yeah, at so, all? so the third one is i also love this and the third one's very good and it's got its own very weird vibe they lose david wise so the soundtrack changes but the third one is dixie and her cousin kitty kong so you lose again you cycle yes. every game cycles a character out and adds a new one to the playable roster but you're rescuing donkey kong and diddy kong in the third mm-hmm. one. so it's it's just it's all cycling Gotcha. Um, um, that's cool. And then, and then I'm really uh, excited to hear you talk about how they didn't rest. It feels like they really, f- at least from my limited experience, like went, did everything they could. It's kind of reminds me of like when you hear, you know, Dan Harmon and people talk about season one of community, it's like, we did everything. We threw everything at the wall. It kind of feels like they did that here with this game. Yeah. This, I mean, well, it's also every idea they had mechanically in the first one, uh, if it returns, it is. Most of them weren't broken. Most of them were already good mechanics. Now they are flawless. Like you have Animal Friends, which is a feature I've always loved in game. Like I love Yoshi. I love the like the Animal Friends and Kirby. I, I'm yeah mad we're past the era of like 2D platformers with Animal Friends. But in this one, they realized the limitation of what you could design a level around uh, if you could lose the animal or fall off of it. Like mm. you, so let's say you want to design an entire level around Squawks' flying mechanics so that the parrot you can fly as, he would grab you and fly around. Well, you can't do that if you get hit and lose Squawks because now the player could lose the ability and wouldn't be able to complete a level that's designed only for the flying ability. So yeah. if they instead invented for Donkey Kong Country 2, they changed is there's barrels that transform you into the character, into the animal helper, which means you can now have a level that only works with the squawks parrot ability or it's like underwater swimming ability so like those are smart design choices that seem really obvious in retrospect but they weren't obvious enough to include in the first one and that's like i'm saying like it's a it's such an iterative game like this one to me 
is a team that had a very winning formula and could have just done a second game, but instead was like, no, we were we were this close to perfect and we yeah. are doing the work to figure out exactly what was missing. And like the secret world stuff, there's there's uh there's like a bunch of different kinds. Like there's, there's DK coins are hidden in every level. So there's one of those in mm-hmm. every level, which are difficult that's to the collect. One, yeah. That's with the with is K rule on them? But then no, they show are, up as DK coins? No, so there's those are those are different those are creme coins you're thinking of. Yes. This yes, sounds yes. goofy to be talking about in this level of detail. <laughs> but there's there's basically different currencies you can or different types of items and collectibles you can find that all feed back into different things. Like you need the creme mm. coins to unlock, I think, passages to the bonus to the lost world. You have to pay yes. Clubba. I just collected 15 of them and did the <laughs> Squawks Shaft, which is a hilarious name for a for a level. Yes. Um, but I did that level and found the secret one there. And I didn't realize that like I went to a secret world. I thought that was just another level. That's amazing. Um, you might not have. Squawks' Squawks Shaft, I think, is part of just the second world, er- right? It is, but what I, I guess what I meant to say was I collected enough coins and went past Clubba. Oh, gotcha. And that, I think, let me into some separate world. Yes, yeah, that's that's the lost world. Wow. You, you unlock those levels one at a time. And then okay. the map, you can circle around that map. That's That comes back in three, too. But okay. That's what I mean, how, like, this game is... I know secret worlds are not innovative. This is not, yeah. like, <laughs> a, this is not like a new idea, but... At the time, I mean, you had Mario World. They had the they had the hidden world at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's other examples just like this, but Mario Worlds wasn't like mysterious to me. This one was presented with a theater with theatrics. So there's like there's a weird theater to this game, and I want to get into how goofy Rareware usually is. Like a yes. lot of like Cranky Kong is always making jokes. There's like. I think, did Wrinkly Kong die in between? Or did she die in the third one? Anyway, there's like a character in this series who like one of the characters dies and then comes back as a ghost in the next game. Yes. And they're very Is like- Is that from three to 64? I feel like it's from two to three, but it could be three to okay. 64. Um, gotcha. I don't like 64 that much, but I did play it a lot. Um, no, I want to talk about like, so Rareware has this weird- obsession with like very cartoony animal characters that mm-hmm. that's, that was like their bread and butter for a while and in banjo kazooie and donkey kong 64 and like conquer's bad fur day that stuff is all very cohesive they they locked into that cartoon aesthetic but it's not refined here and it's yeah. way better for it i think because oh. you have these beautiful like sprite work backgrounds of these atmospheric areas like a gloomy swamp or like this creepy carnival, these things that like, okay, we've seen them in video games still, but paired with David Wise's soundtrack, which is not typical of a platformer. It's, it's very, it's got nature noises baked in and mm-hmm. it's, he's very talented. So like it's, it's a lot more moody and it feels atmospheric. To it's me. very atmospheric. It's yeah. not, it's not like Mario's upbeat athletic themes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean that weird tone setting with the music and the depth of those backgrounds that are not cartoony, they are usually just like very straightforward attempts at creating a moody atmosphere. And like this game as opposed to donkey Kong country where you're going through donkey Kong's Island this game you're going through K Rules Island, so it's the villain's territory. So everything yes. is slightly darker and weirder and more gloomy. So that 
combined with all of these googly-eyed animal characters is such a weird tone to me. Yeah, I've never even considered that. Like, it's it's like they're in a world that they don't like. Yeah, it doesn't. Fit. We would expect them to be. They in. do not mesh. But yes. Whereas a lot of people might be like, well, they should have meshed. No, like that's what makes this so interesting to me is that it's <laughs> the the juxtaposition gives me such a weird, unique feeling. Like it almost elevates the cartooniness and the moodiness because both of those on their own aren't that interesting. Like Banjo Kazooie is certainly a polished game for its time, and like it's fun to look at, and you get you get with the world. Is everything's gloomy and aren't sorry? Everything's cartoony and fun. Yeah. You like understand it, but there's not that much depth to what they're showing you here. Putting those two together <laughs> with that music, like with yes. music that stand alone from this, would be considered interesting and at least probably good. Totally. When 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 you were saying that it adds to both the moodiness and the cartooniness, do you? Th- why do you think that is? Does it have to do with having? this kind of crazy juxtaposition of these cartoony big eyed characters in like a very realistic world. Well, I mean, artist, artistically, it's just contrast. Yeah. Like it's, if yeah. you put two opposing ideas next to each other, they're both going to stand out more. Mm-hmm. So like to me, you'd compare it to like Banjo-Kazooie, which is very flat. Yes. Um, not, not a knock against it. I'm just saying like that has one visual aesthetic and it sticks to it. This totally. one is more rewarding to me to engage with because of that juxtaposition. And I mean, this gotcha. is also Mario 64, which I don't, is such an outlier to me with the Mario games, because that's a game where they were designing 3d worlds without having a real template yet. So sure. the game makes a lot of big swings that are corrected in later Mario games. Like mm-hmm. if you look at Mario Odyssey, they do try to experiment with art styles, but they don't feel off. They feel like fresh. And they feel cohesive yeah. still. Whereas Mario 64, like you go to Wet Dry World and there's that weird photorealistic backdrop on the skybox of like a city in maybe it's Brazil. I remember I looked up like where this was, but it's a photo of a real city with this weird underwater filter over it. Yeah. And then you explore that level and you go below that grate in the area and you see like an actual underwater city with doors and houses that can't be used, don't lead anywhere in a game where there's no other humans you're interacting with, this very strange, unfocused aesthetic that came together because they only had so much time to make this game and were trying out ideas and had to get the game out on launch. So like, yeah, Mario 64 is the same thing I'm talking about where there's an eerie contrast going on that makes it more interesting to me. I think that's something that I've never considered that, Alec, or thought of articulated that myself, but hearing you share just kind of almost is reminding me why I was so interested in playing further and further and further into that game in the first place. Was Wait, like which game? Mario 64? Mario 64. Yeah. Like, you know, just, of course, we got our cartoony Mario, even though he's like a 3D model now and very polygonal, he's still <laughs> a cartoon. But yeah, I'm thinking even about like, what was strange to me was another world that kind of feels weird is the first snow world you go, um, go to yeah. where you can slide down that whole area or go in the cabin or throw a penguin off the, off the stage. Yeah. Uh, obviously a lot different than the, if something as crazy as wet dry world, but, but no, there's anyway. something there like all, cause it invites you to wonder what these, cause because of the limitations of this game, it's very abstract. Yeah. Whereas Mario, like Mario Odyssey, you understand you're traveling around the, uh, the world to different uh, kingdoms to lands. Yes. So you understand what the context of them all is. Mm-hmm. Mario 64, you're just like, okay, 
I'm going to different 3D spaces that are supposedly in paintings in the castle that's very lonely yeah. and scary feeling. And it all it all adds up. Like you go to Thwomp's Fortress, but where is that? Where does that yeah. exist in Mario's realm? Is it only in the painting? Or are you being teleported to another physical space? These are questions like as a kid or as a player who's engaging with the game that it's asking you to engage with, you're you're trying to get answers for, but they weren't priorities for the development team for very obvious reasons. For sure. Like yeah. with Mario Odyssey, even Mario Sunshine, you get like the, the very next 3D Mario game has a more cohesive story. You're on vacation at an yes. island and there is a specific story and you understand the context for everywhere you're going because there's mm-hmm. geography. And it's not mysterious because they've been able with time and technology and planning to put in the context for you. Mario 64 lacks all of that. It is just yes. Peach's empty solitary castle and weird places you can go to in it. Yeah, did like Bowser create these worlds? Did he just hide shit in it? Like, Alec, I feel like I'm glad to have you on today, but now I'm going to be like just thinking about this for the rest of my life. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. No, thank you. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's something a- that like, yeah, if, if you're you're engaging with these things and it's really interesting to see like a medium in its earliest form mm-hmm. trying to grapple with i guess there's there are things beyond their limits at the time like mm-hmm. now now it doesn't matter now like any game can give you all the context it needs they have these triple a budgets they can throw yeah. all their money into it they can last of us can tell a story that looks exactly like a hollywood movie and you've I, you probably heard me talk about how i don't like that uh i don't think i have I, anyone, if someone's, yeah, all right, well. <laughs> so unload, Alec. <laughs> I famously have no interest in games like The Last of Us, which mm. are certainly technically impressive, graphically impressive. I, you can argue that the writing is good. I think it's very derivative and uninteresting and ripping off like 40 other things that it's trying to mm. present itself as equal to, because mm. I think, I think a game like The Last of Us is inherently insecure. Sure. In that it wants to prove that video games can be uh, of a certain quality, okay. and I can I can see that in it, and mm. I also see it copying other mediums and not embracing what makes a video game interesting. And so, yeah. looking back, something like Mario sixty four, which is it's so unafraid, it's so bold, and ex- you can tell how excited that game was to exist, and how much everything in it is built around the idea of playing a game. Mario games are interesting and platformers in general because they're based on movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are holding a controller, translating through button inputs, uh, translating athletic movement into a game. So <laughs> that is like the whole, that's why I like platformers a lot is because they are just this expression of movement. Mm-hmm. And so they live or die by how the games feel to play. Whereas yes. I love, I love like I was talking about Magic: The Gathering earlier. That's game. That's a game in a very different style. That 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 is like a different philosophy. You're not. It's not about movement. That's about strategy and planning and engaging with another player. That's that's a game more like a board game, um, mm. or and that's even like RPGs are like that to me. Where sometimes an RPG would have like fun movement options, like jumping and stuff. But no, they're built around systems and numbers. There's something about a platformer to me that is like. It's just pure game where, yeah. I don't know. I, I might have I lost myself a little bit here, but no, it's a, that's okay. And I was following you uh, <laughs> almost for the most part. I, um, I kind of veered off, but I think I think to wrap like to wrap up what I was saying is Mario sixty four is about being a game. 
you can yes. you can feel the joy. Donkey Kong Country Two, every decision in it is not about trying to impress anybody. I mean, it is like the graphics are trying to impress. That was definitely mm-hmm. a big thing at the time, but like they're all built around you know gameplay. Yeah. Whereas a lot of games I'm seeing now are trying to build themselves. They have, they have, they're bogged down in too many other things. Whether it's uh, trying to be a presentation, trying to tell a story, which I love yeah. to do, but you can tell a story without aping other formats or mediums. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah that's, I can I've go never, off about that, but yeah. No, you're okay. Uh, that's very interesting to hear. And I think I do relate to it, especially, especially relate to the thing about you. I've not played last of us two. I played the first one. I thought it was good. I but, played the first um, one. I didn't play two. I watched my roommate play two in pieces, gotcha. but I, I wouldn't have bothered with two. Gotcha. Um, but I do relate to you as far as like something feeling, I don't, you didn't say natural, but there is something so natural and amazing about like you being connected to a platform is that yes, like you are, it's, it's an expression of athletic movements and, and things that obviously for the most part, unless you can jump super high, like they can, or twirl it. <laughs> Alec, your hair's long. Maybe you can do the, the Dixie thing. I, that's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. Um, well, but fighting yeah. games are like that too. I, I'm not as, uh, well-versed in those. I, I play Smash Bros a lot and I'm like a casual fan of Street Fighter and King of Fighters and mm-hmm. stuff. But or in like Marvel vs. Capcom I loved, but I'm bad at those except for Smash Bros. But those are the same idea to me where those are uh, it's all about translating reflexes and quick I don't know, there's something about like the high-paced actual action of those types of games where you are funneling yourself into the screen yes, in real time. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, man, I feel like we've just like just dove in so hard. We're like so <laughs> deep in the deep end. Now I'm like, all right, I'll swim back up. I'll swim back yeah, up. Yeah, let's, let's simplify things. What do we got? <laughs> I love it. Um, so let's, in fact, we've gotten to talk a lot. And of course, I'm sure there's way more we're going to talk about what you love about the game. But do you remember, did you play the first Donkey Kong Country? And did you know this was coming out and had to have it? How did you get this game? I have been trying to sort this out in my head for years, actually. <laughs> it's so weird because t- my timeline of playing games is so off. I think because I, because I wasn't clued into like the gaming world as a, as a whole, yes. I'm pretty sure that if I do the math, I feel like I got the Super Nintendo when the N64 was already out. Gotcha. Which d- doesn't seem to line up right, but like a lot of the games I remember playing a lot of on Super Nintendo were when I look it up at the end of the Super Nintendo's lifestyle anyway, oh, okay. or life cycle anyway, I just did the same mistake. Hey, anyway. there we go. My bad. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I remember playing a lot of Kirby's Dream Land 3, which okay. is also like one of the last Super Nintendo games. Yeah. It, like in my mind, I remember getting N64 when it came out, but when I do the numbers, it doesn't add up. But I did, I don't know why I got Donkey Kong Country 2. I didn't ask for it, I don't think. I think I played it before I played the first one, to be honest. It showed up on your doorstep with a note saying, I can't take care of this child. Please do it, this for It me. could have been as simple as like my parents asking someone at Toys R Us, like, what, what's the big game I should get my kid? Sure. And they recommended that. Maybe it just came out or something. Gotcha. Um, do you do you remember a lot about like when you played it at the time? Like, or because mm-hmm. you're saying you were like enamored by it. What do you remember? I'm assuming up in this like perfect ideal room. Do we have a name for that room, by the way? We'll call it the the Alec Cave. Why not? Oh, I don't. I don't Alec. love that. That's. I was trying to be uh, <laughs> trying to make fun of man caves, but it just sounded earnest. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
that is always hard to do where you're like, I promise I'm making fun of this thing. Uh, I'm in on the joke. Uh, we'll, we'll work, we'll workshop that as we go through the gamers um, cubby. <laughs> that's cute. That's at least cuter. <laughs> that's cute. Uh, uh, so yeah, do, we've gotten to talk a lot also about like what grabbed you, but do you, you remember immediately what it was or where were you? I mean, I can picture myself playing it. I can sure like see myself in the room playing it. Uh, I don't remember like the first time or I'm sure it wasn't like, I'm sure it wasn't as romantic as just me turning on and going, this is, this will be the greatest game, but <laughs> yeah. it's one I developed such affection for. And I mean, back then you have like a limited amount of games. So totally. I, I remember it didn't have as many, like right now I have like, I can play any of 300 games right now across any system I have. Whereas growing up, I had like maybe seven cartridges and I would yeah. play those to death. And rent, I remember I rented games a bunch too. Famously, I kept renting Mario RPG and never buying it, so I never got to finish it. And every time I re-rented it, someone had deleted my save. <laughs> so I played like the beginning of that game maybe twenty times. Who knows? That is a spe- that is a certain level of hell. Is only getting through part of Super Mario RPG, sending it back to the video store, and then you have to start over again. Oh God, something that is I I miss this weird feeling, but like renting a game. And exploring somebody else's finished save file before you start a game for the first time, yeah, like such a such a weird feeling. Like it's like an invasion of privacy almost. Totally, uh, it's funny too because I mean back then almost everything, especially if it was a cartridge, lived on the cartridge, not the system. Yeah, interesting. And um, I remember like getting a ta- like if I if I was renting a new game and I wanted to see like oh, what are all my, all my abilities going to be at the end? What uh, what does it look like at the end? I could load up somebody's finished save file and be like, ooh, I spoiled it, and then go back. <laughs> oh, something to look forward to, though. Yeah. If you find something cool you didn't know about, um, I feel like I had a I had a question for you specifically. Oh, I I actually do have a question. Um, we discussed the music a little bit earlier, but something that I that immediately gripped me as a newcomer to this game was the f- opening tune. Um, obviously, the beginning of this da, one da, takes place da, on a pirate ship. Da, 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 da. It's, yeah, that one. <laughs> it's so good and i'm a huge fan of the movie hook and it has such hook vibes in that opening song oh, it does have hook vibes i guess yeah so that got me um and and like you were saying earlier the music is just so good and it's so atmospheric you can almost get it is a helpful thing to get lost in it's not something that you know was typical for for platformers at the time. Like you were saying, like Mario has got like upbeat athletic themes. Um, even in the ghost house, it's like feels active, but this is just kind of like you're living in it, man. Yeah. No, it, it's more immersive. Like, especially with like the swamp song, I remember has like bubbles, like glooping in the background of the, of the music. Like yeah. the pirate ship has creaking. Like if you, if you download the actual soundtrack, the, the theme for game playing for game playing galley in the first level it is overpowering how loud the creaking of the ship sounds are compared mm-hmm. to the music like you, but that's how yes. it was designed. Like, because it was supposed to be, you're not supposed to listen to it in isolation. You're supposed to be playing a pirate <laughs> level. And so they wanted you to hear the creaking of the music or creaking of the ship while the music's playing. And it's baked into the soundtrack. It's, it's really, it's all, it's very like effectively and intentionally immersive. Yes. You're not going to like, there's no attempt in the Mario world soundtrack to bring you into the environment with the music. Not that it was supposed to. I'm just saying that is a choice that they made with Donkey Kong Country 2 that I think really helps. I don't think that was in the first one. 
Um, oh, the that sort of um, using like sounds from the environment in the music. In the music, that's, that's a good question. I don't know. I think it wasn't. I think that was like an evolution of the soundtrack in this one, and it makes listening to it in like isolation a little, maybe a little interesting, a little, a little less, mm. uh, a little subpar. But I don't, I don't mind it. You're used to okay. it. It's so baked into it. Like even I think Forest Interlude has like cricket noises to yeah. the rhythm. So it is part, it's like they're used as an instrument. That's really creative. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, uh, the, pivoting a little bit from the music, uh, you, you touched on this earlier and I was going, again, I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> um, talking about Dixie Kong as the, the character, um, already in the first game, I would assume you might feel similarly, is that everybody wants to use Diddy Kong because Diddy's faster, Diddy can jump a little farther, and the cartwheel, I mean, how do you... Base, he had the baseball cap, he was cooler. He, he rocks out, he, you know, he's, you can relate to him because he's real, when he gets mad, he throws down his hat and stomps <laughs> on it. Um, there were good animations in those games. So good. Uh, I But all jokes aside, is that Oh, uh, thankfully we got to keep Diddy, you know, best care, best, most, uh, athletic character from the first game. But then we have Dixie who ends up, even though she moves like slightly slower and doesn't accelerate as fast, which is something I did notice when playing through it. She's so valuable that you touched on it earlier. You would like save her. Right. I would play as Diddy first because if I want, if I got hit, I wanted to still have the option of Dixie to be able to have more maneuverability. What an interesting thing to think about too. Like you're using that character as your shield and they sort of act as, as a health bar together is like you get two hits yeah, and the level's over. That's what I'm saying. Like there, there are certain choices in this game that all feel <laughs> really small, but they're constantly contributing to you making choices about how you play. Like the, mm. this as a platformer, you don't usually get this many choices yeah. without uh, stopping. Like, like Kirby games, you have to like, Pick, you have to choose powers, uh, choose mm-hmm. animal friends. Mario games, you have to like try to keep power ups, and maybe you get an option of two, and you want to pick one. Those are like those are good and interesting choices. For some reason, this game feels like it has more while you're playing it. Like the health bar being, it's very similar to Mario, where like when you get hit, you become smaller. So there's mm-hmm. nooks and crannies you can get through. Like that's the similar that's a similar design choice to me. But yeah, there's there's something to me like, okay, so do I want to use Dixie here during this battle because she'll be easier, but if I lose her, I won't have that ability and the battle will become harder. Or do I want to save that for later? And then... Yeah, like, like try to get through a difficult part with Diddy yeah. just in case it gets harder as you go exactly. on. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's all built around like really good risk-reward systems. It's It's so... All it's all so obvious and natural feeling in retrospect, but like mm-hmm. no, they especially having the first game to compare it to, which has the beginnings of these ideas, mm-hmm. and then the third game, which to me is still good but doesn't innovate as much. Sure, like seeing seeing that having both of those other games available side by side with this one highlights how much better and how special this one is. Yes, and this like, one. Oh, oh yeah, go sorry. ahead, please. I was I was about to introduce a new element to this if you're Ooh, okay go please introduce away because now there's two sequels to these games mm. and so we have donkey kong country returns on the wii which was good but when i played it i was grateful to have a new donkey kong country game but i was so 
just mildly disappointed the whole time. Mm. Like it wasn't quite living up to what I remembered about that series. I mean, and part of it was they got rid of all the Kremlings. So like a big part of the game's DNA felt like it was missing. But I didn't realize they did that. I mean, I haven't played those, so Oh yeah, I so know. like in that game it's got like generic tiki enemies or the huh. bad guys. And I don't buy that the game needed the Kremlings because Tropical Freeze introduces a bad like a bad guy group called the Snowmads, okay. which which I think <laughs> are so well themed and good that it that I don't mind the Kremlings not being there because I like okay. them. So I know it wasn't it was just a matter of the tiki enemies weren't good. Like they weren't hmm. interesting. However, so I'm getting away from my point. My point is like Returns was missing a bunch of things and had some weird motion control and uh, extra mm. game like gimmicky gameplay mechanics that bogged it down. It, did. it had like you had to blow into the controller sometimes. Uh, <laughs> what? It's, yeah, it's like a, uh, you did that on the DS, but you did that on the Wii. I think so. Am I wrong? Weird. There's there's like a Donkey Kong like blows and has to spin pinwheels, and I can't remember. It's, if you it's actually a separate did. peripheral too. It's like the bongos, <laughs> but it's just like a little hole that you yeah. blow into. <laughs> so having that as a contrast to the first three, you can really see like what what's missing. You can you can mm. sense it. And also, David Wise does not do the music for that one. Yeah. And so, it's not that the soundtrack's bad. I don't think it's anything special, though. Um, but you are you're missing another huge part of these games' identity, which I know he didn't do three, but three still has like the template that he laid is is being respected. Oh, sure. Then Tropical Freeze comes out, and I think this is. I could make an argument that this one's better than two, Ooh. but it obviously doesn't have as much uh, emotional resonance for me because I grew up with two. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a case to be made that this is actually the best Donkey Kong Country game. David Wise comes back, he does the music, they start really understanding again what made the world so special and interesting. And then you have like, what am I thinking? Like, the different playable characters are expanded. It's not just two. You do have the health now, you have hearts. So that's okay. like a little less interesting than just like losing a partner. But no, like the the, the level designs are so good and the music is again environmental when you go underwater it changes to a different track like the underwater version of the track there's little Uh nods to the donkey Kong country 2 soundtrack so like going underwater you'll 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 hear hints of like or the actually you'll you'll hear hints of aquatic ambience from the first game oh and then there's like a hint of sticker brush symphony in like one of the levels and then it's used as like the end credits music it's great i i thought tropical freeze was like such a return to form by a different development team that clearly studied and learned what made too so good and that's retro right <laughs> yeah that's retro gotcha that's cool was did they did they do uh things with the gameplay as well that um were that were i guess improvements or innovations for on this there the is earlier series one flaw they did so like the, all the characters have a different ability oh. uh and diddy has like a jetpack that he hovers with which is actually basically just dixie's ability okay and now dixie's is more of like it's got an upwards trajectory almost like yoshi where it's it's you you helicopter up just a little bit and then start falling and then there's cranky kong who does like a pogo stick thing like scrooge mcduck in the ducktales game oh wow yeah so you have all those and they're all like they interact differently with the environment and you are often given the ability to choose who you want to take they really slim down on the animal friends i think it might just be rambi even um wow Animal so Friends for Smash, by the way, before, before yeah, I don't get to Let's bring them that. in. Yeah. But the biggest flaw in this one is Dixie is basically the same as Diddy, but better in 
pretty much every way. Hmm. So there's like no reason to ever play as Diddy if you're given the option between the two. Oh. Which I think is a bad they they messed up something there. They're they're not completely the same, but like Dixie offers so much more. I think in speedrunning it turned out to be that Cranky Kong was like always the best character to play as, actually. <laughs> but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, listing listing y- everything out again, I feel like maybe that game does have more flaws than I remember, but I love it so much. The music is incredible. I think that also made it onto our top ten. I want to. I want to believe it was like number ten on our list. I believe but, that, but uh, not important uh, for for the time being. <laughs> I, I, something I noticed playing this game, which I always forget with the Donkey Kong Country series, is that to play as you know two player mode. Which actually, maybe you can answer this for me. If I want to play as both characters, can I do a single player game? You have so, to be able to do that, right? Wait, what do you mean, play as both characters? Like, or do I have to plug in two controllers? No, so here, you can, I guess, it's been a long time since I've played on the native hardware, Yeah, but I am almost 90% sure that you would pass the controller, if, okay. you, if you, you could pass the controller. Um, in fact, I think that was the only way to do it. No, it wasn't, because there was like a button you can press to swap to. Yeah, it's, it's uh, select, select. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I remember pro- the details there, but I feel like there was a way to play with one controller. Yeah, I bet I would, because that wouldn't make sense for them, now that I'm thinking about it, to cut out Dixie if you just do one player. You couldn't finish the game. No, if you played one player, you got to play as both. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we no, go. sorry, I, I didn't know if you were, yeah, like, no, you for sure play as both. You get both characters and you have both health, like. Okay, Yeah. gotcha. Because today when I was playing, I kept, I had both controllers. I had to plug in a second controller because I started up a two-player file I had previously. Oh, no, yeah, you okay. could have played in single player, yeah. I should have just, I should have just texted you before that, <laughs> Alec. Um, what, were there any, were there other things about this game as far as like the gameplay Wait, that, before I, I'm sorry, yes. I just got to forget. I just wanted to point out that Please. Tropical Freeze does add, and I think Returns, multiplayer is simultaneous in those games. So you can both control characters at the same time, whereas in the originals, you obviously can only play as one at a time and you had to swap. Did you like that feature? Yeah, I think that's great. That's a good innovation. Like that's something that probably wouldn't have been possible on the Super Nintendo. So mm-hmm. I get it's like a cool thing to see them actually fulfill. Do they bump into each other or they, no, do they it's, it's pass uh, through? Yeah, it's not built around the same style of multiplayer as uh, the new Super Mario Bros. games where you can like screw each other over. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, I like this. And other times I'm like, this is annoying because I keep running into the person. I'm like, yeah. who's who's like reluctantly playing I think it's a fun me. way to keep everyone like engaged with each other, but it doesn't make it easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, what was your question? Oh, no, all good. I, I remember it. So one thing that I want to touch on more of is uh, the idea of the small changes or improvements this game makes that like permeate throughout were there other examples of that that you have um, as far as like small things go or a- anything really? Yeah, let's Cause, see. Because um, I have one that I was thinking about that I'd love to hear. Start start with yours, yeah. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about – because in this game it's really cool because if you press I think it's A and you have two characters. Like yep. you obviously have to have both Dixie yes. and Diddy. You can throw the other character. You get the stack ability, yeah. Yeah, did and you? And it's different depending on who's on top. I think, unless I'm mistaken. I think you are. I think you are correct. 
something about the trajectory of the throw. I think they throw differently, but yeah. Yeah, kind of like how they throw barrels and items differently. Yeah. Um, like Dixie uses her hair to scoop up Diddy and toss him. Mm-hmm. And then Diddy just, I think, uses his arms. I don't know if the the abilities differ. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, that's that's a big one. Like it it's, honestly doesn't get a lot of use in the game. Mm-hmm. There are like a lot of secrets require it. Um, that's maybe the most like the most useless appendage of the gameplay mm-hmm. mechanics, but it's still like a really cool thing that they put in. And it's pretty, yeah, it's, it locks you out of stuff. And so it's basically like a gate. If you yes. have gotten hit and the game wants to check if you've beaten the level without losing of Kong, uh, it would reward you by being able to throw someone up into a higher area. than you, you get to like go up there with them. It was a yes. way to like make sure you didn't get hit in a level and give you a reward for it more oh. often than not. That's like how that gameplay mechanic actually manifests itself. Oh, that's awesome. I, I kept just finding like tiny secrets, like a di- like a Dixie barrel that only she could access. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's like, that's what I mean though. Like a lot of gameplay mechanics are just a gate and a key essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas that gate, that's, that's a, the gate is, do you have both Kongs? The key is having both Kongs. So if you want that secret that only Dixie can access, you need to not have mm-hmm. gotten hit. So that mechanic is almost always just a, uh, a skill check. Like, did you make it gotcha. this far without losing a Kong? As opposed to a part of the level where it's like, ooh, we got to keep using this toss thing. Yeah, exactly. There are some, there's, there's some stuff where they have you do that, I think. Okay. Like Interesting. Games, yeah. Um, I did have another thing I want to ask you about uh, <laughs> yeah. that I, that I noticed at least in the early, early part of this game, having played through the entire first one is I thought at least the first bosses I was playing in this game are so much better than the first one. Oh yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about the bosses. The yeah. bosses are like really fun in donkey kong country games Mm -hmm. there's a couple like in the first one that are just you jump on them and you dodge them but like this one (laughs) some of these bosses like tell full stories like uh oh what's 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 the crow boss oh Um, i don't know is that the one that's in like a nest at the the pirate ship yeah so like i think it's the first world boss yes comes back later in the game as a ghost so you fight it again and it's like you you've there's like there's like little it's not really story. I mean it is story in the in the truest sense of like sequential mm-hmm. instances informing a full a broader picture, but like yeah, those little details are really fun. They, and I think they like are it. some of the characters are like like Clubba, I think is related to one of the bosses. <laughs> it's like the same model even. Wow. That's really cool. Um I even liked that they the ones that i played at least seem to function so much differently than each other like there's the crow that you're talking about or what what is that animal i don't know if it's a crow it's a buzzard yeah a buzzard it is um, a buzzard yeah i think i think you have to like pick up their eggs and throw them back at them yep. which is like when you think about it, when you really dive into that it's like whoa you're killing this buzzard with its eggs that's with its but babies, like really really joyfully creative idea for a boss battle like Yes. The second world, I think, is just a floating sword. Yes, I love. Which is another like love that sword. It's a very imposing enemy because you know you can't touch it. And you're used to mm-hmm. like jumping. It's yeah. There's all, and you throw cannonballs at it. And cool. after you kill it, it like comes back again for like a second part of the battle, and <laughs> yeah. you have to learn its patterns there. Like earlier on in in that because I fought, I fought that boss again today for no reason. Um, I think the it changes up the pattern of which it how it swings and how fast the swing is so like i 
had a knee jerk reaction and jumped too quick and yeah, then it took a slow swing and then caught me. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple like variations. Do you have a is there a boss in the game that you like the most or have we talked about that one? That's a great question. I mean, I love the final bosses in all the Donkey Kong Country games. Mm-hmm. Like the K rule battles are they're very like uh I think polarizing because they're they're just memorization based. Yeah. There's something really satisfying about that to me. I don't mind it. Like I know Super Meat Boy did a lot of boss battles like that too. Mm-hmm. That's definitely like a route a lot of platformers take. I think they were not as well done in Tropical Freeze with the same philosophy of them. They were like pattern based. A lot of it's just waiting around okay. for the dodging stuff and then getting to attack. But like no, I love the like the K rule battles and those are like really climactic and big and there's like fake out endings. Do you remember that? Like, no, I've like never beaten a K rule. Okay, okay. Except so in like, the first one. In the first one, do you remember there's like, or is it is it in two? I think it, it might actually be two, where when you beat the game, it tricks you into thinking it's done. And the, the credits start rolling. Oh. And the credits are like, it's listing off like pun names for all the enemies. And then <laughs> he gets back up and attacks you again. Like, no way. That's so funny. Yeah, there's like, that's like a great little, that's, uh, you ever played Sekiro? Yes, I've gotten there, my there's ass like kicked. A boss in that that does the same thing, where they even go so far as like to play the "good job" screen or whatever, like the the graphic that yeah. you get when you beat a boss shows up, and then it gets back up and keeps attacking you. Like I love a joke, like a practical joke on the player is very fun to me. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, that's so funny. Um, th- was there is there anything about? this game like is there a section of this game we haven't got to touch on that you felt like discussing or like an aspect of it so far i don't know i'm covering a lot of ground here right <laughs> yeah we I mean, we have gotten to talk yeah. about so much and stuff i didn't even expect i guess what i will ask you is have you uh do you replay this game ever oh this is a great question yeah this this is like a comfort food game for me okay. i could i could play this as many times as i able just it, like i'll never get bored of it it's very like again it's partly because i grew up with it i'm mm-hmm. sure but on top of that it's also just still a rewarding game to return to it's still like if i if i go long enough without playing it it's still challenging to me again um sure is that like shaking the rust off or just remembering uh like a pattern in a boss it's it's all of that the level design too like it's it's Enough, if enough time goes that I like forgot the the structure of a level, like it will be exciting to me again because it's just well designed. Yeah, um, and like discovering that and traversing it again, and then once you do understand what the level, like the the secret worlds are very hard. So like, mm. there's one called Animal Antics, which is like famously the hardest level. Where it it's, I think you go through a portion of a level with each of the animal friends, and they also like cover every type of environment. So it's like a very oh, it's a very epic level in the actual sense of the word epic and that it, it covers a lot of ground and feels very grand in scale but like that level is so hard because also like the stuff with squawks i feel like the squawks levels are probably the hardest when you're like in the brambles and you're just trying to not get hit yeah because it's yeah it's, it's like flappy bird basically you're just that's the like um the spiky like ivy thing yes yeah. yes yeah which again that is what a great environment for a video game level. <laughs> totally. O- obviously something that you w- want to avoid. With some of the best music, like Yeah, that's that's the thing too, is when you're designing like a platformer level and you're picking the environment, like I think Sonic was good at this, even though I cannot stand by any 2D Sonic. I don't think they're very well designed. 
Um, but visually and uh, idea-wise, they're always really cool. Like using objects and environments as like interactable. I don't know. Like uh, the first Donkey Kong Country uses like factory levels really well. Mm-hmm. What a great oh, idea! Yeah. Like moving parts in a factory. Of course, they lend themselves to like it's anything that if you were a kid, you were looking like, would it be fun to jump on that and like do like an obstacle course? <laughs> it's those yes. ideas put into literal obstacle courses that's what Mm -hmm. they are so like you want to be able to relate to what you're seeing like i think the rayman games have like the early rayman game has like music levels there's like the whole second world is all based on music so you're bouncing on music notes and piano keys and clouds like there's a bunch of like very very creative ideas of like what kind of things you'd be standing on and how they'd move and how you'd interact with them in a game and like donkey kong country has always done a great job with that riding a crocodile uh like I think you bounce on crocodiles' mouths in the swamp. Yes, and like, they like fling you. Yeah. Um, or even I forget the spider's name, but Squitter. The way he, <laughs> Squitter. Yep. <laughs> Not what I would have predicted. Uh, <laughs> how he shoots, you know, his web, and then you can jump on that is like also something that I thought was really cool. That's a very mechanically deep character too. Like that's one I think you wouldn't get away with as much these days because it, it's it's very difficult to get the hang of as a kid. Like because sure. you can shoot. Not only can you shoot an attack web, but you can shoot like one that's going to turn into a platform, and then you have to mm-hmm. press the button again. Like there's like a whole timing element to it that's very difficult to maneuver all of them at once and remember all the button presses. But I appreciate that level of depth in like a platformer. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Um, Alec, we've gotten to talk about uh so much about this <laughs> game. I know that like we even got you know an idea of like when you played it. You were in the the gamer cubby. Is that what we called it? Let's call it the gamer cubby. Spent a lot of time in there, which again, I'll just say sounds like a paradise. Um <laughs> uh was there anything else that you didn't get to share about this game or something you wanted to wrap up before we, you know, finish our discussion and move on to some end of the show segments? Yeah, I can talk about it forever. We're we might as well start bearing okay. off. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, I, we've got some more fun stuff to do. We're not going yet, but thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was like really fun to, it's always fun to talk to different guests on the show. And like, it's interesting to me what each person appreciates and yours happens to be like, I don't get a lot of like the detail you shared from every single person. So <laughs> thank you very much. That's awesome. Of um, so first we've got, so we've got two end of the show segments for you, Alec. The first one is the fact me by your game segment. This is where I just share facts with my guest about the game. This could be anything from an Easter egg, a development history, or even a secret. So, um, and we'll be interested to see if you know any of these. Um, the first one, which I didn't know this is that, a uh, virtual boy, I didn't know this one. Uh, <laughs> this comes from, did you know gaming, uh, Donkey Kong country two, was originally planned to be a virtual boy game. Wow, I did not know that. I guess it was just like truly so early in development that they had only really done like a title screen and then it was moved to the SNES because it was pretty immediately understood it was a flop. That, I mean, of course it makes sense. I'm curious, when did the Donkey Kong Land games come out? I'm trying to remember if those were like... Because did you ever play? I had those two all on Game Boy, and they were I've like, got I've got number two actually. Yeah, very very weird era where you would get handheld ports of existing games that were literally just the same game but slimmed down. Yes, they don't really hold up very well now because why would you play the slightly subpar version that's clearly no color? It's hampered. Like it's those games are so clearly hampered by technical limitations because they're they're shells of the game they're imitating. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah. still I played a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm curious. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out on the timeline if like Donkey Kong land would have been a better fit for the virtual boy. I don't know. Yeah. Me neither. But, but I, I at least thought it was interesting. Uh, and then the next fact for you, uh, starts with the question that I have, which is who is Mr. X? Uh, this also comes from Digino you know gaming. Um, I know there, all about this, yeah. you do. Okay, great. So, <laughs> yeah. um, for the listener out there, um, in the German instruction booklet for Donkey Kong country two, uh, it features a character named Mr. X with some text that says no one knows him or has seen him anywhere before. Uh, what do you know about this character, Alec? I mean that to me as a, as an educated outsider it reads as clearly just an unused character it was it was art that they had finished promo art for they did all these pre-renders i'm I'm sure he just didn't make it into the game he looks a lot like um the ghost that's chasing you in the carnival level yeah the, Uh, the name is cackle yeah i think i think it's maybe an early version of that or an alternate or some other level he would have appeared in but um also, th- realizing now that game had like a weird obsession with characters coming back as blue ghosts. Yeah, with, that's like, not the same, first same one thing you've with, mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that that was clearly like a bad coincidence with the caption that they chose because yes. it made it seem even more mysterious. Like it was going to be some super important. Yeah, it makes part it, it makes game. it out to be a big deal. Like there's another thing like this in the first Donkey Kong Country oh. with like those orangutans. This isn't it's not a cut content thing, but. The orangutans that you fight, they're called Mankey Kong, I think. Oh. <laughs> so they're they're Kongs, and in the instruction manual or the player's guide or something, they say that they're Kongs that were traitors during the Great Ape War. So there's <laughs> so there's like this weird lore. I mean, if you look up the Great Ape War, there's so many funny things that like are implied to be a part of the Donkey Kong lore. That oh my gosh, it's insane. It is. It's because it's. it's a war like also those games are very military themed like a lot of the kremlings have like in the first one especially have like military yeah. attire so like helmets and stuff yeah and like those gun belts or whatever the ammo belts like there's stuff like that that's clearly it, it goes along with whatever that flavor text was so it invites this yeah fan theory bullshit you know you know we all we think it's just a fan theory alec but you know next friday we're getting a direct and the first thing announced is going to be a fire emblem type ape wars game (laughs) i'm 100 there which like i would actually maybe try um (laughs) that was also like all i wanted to share i guess he was also in issue 76 of nintendo power but like you said doesn't appear in the game and is probably just turned into cackle (laughs) Um, the last one that I have is that there is, this is an Easter egg and there's an earthworm Jim Easter egg in this game. Oh yeah. Not just earthworm Jim. There we go. Oh, do you want to, do you know more about it? I'm maybe just got a small version. Oh yeah. No, when you, uh, when you beat the game, it shows you a screen that gives you a count of how many DK coins you got Mm -hmm. and it ranks you on like these podiums where either Mario, Mario will be there. Link will be there. Oh, yeah. Um, so they have like Nintendo characters featured that you're trying to beat. They have the higher score and you want to <laughs> beat the game with more DK coins so you can stand in the first place part of the podium. That's how you 100% the game. But there's a trash can in the foreground that has like Sonic's shoes, <laughs> Earthworm, Earthworm Jim's gun, and like one other. I think there's like one other character that gets referenced there. But it, they, they slyly nod to some third party characters that they weren't allowed to be nodding to. That's, but that's so probably funny. the earliest 
first party Nintendo appearance of a Sonic thing in a in a game. <laughs> in a of course game. you know about it then. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's um that's really interesting to me too. Uh a, a thing that I realize I'm fascinated by Alec is in a different like Nintendo property when you see like um, one of the other main characters, like in Mario RPG, when you, oh, yeah. there's like Samus, Samus. yeah, <laughs> uh, or that yeah, that Link model too in Donkey Kong Country too, because I've seen a, a like a, a video yeah, of that. It's a full pre rendered model. It's and Mario looks weird. Oh, Yoshi's there too. I forgot about that. It's so cool. It makes me like want to see Link in that style a little bit. <laughs> um, but there's there's actually so that's way more interesting than the one I'm going to share. There's a second Earthworm Jim Easter egg. So. Um, when you play Swanky Kong's game show, there's one question that takes a dig at Earthworm Jim. So Swanky says, uh, what is the first enemy you see in the game? The options are A, a furry rat, B, a scaly crocodile, and C, an ugly earthworm, which <laughs> is is a dig at Earthworm Jim. Um, and actually- Let me just say it here. Fuck Earthworm Jim and fuck the creator <laughs> of Earthworm Jim, who I believe is transphobic. Is that- Really? Yeah, Doug Tenapel is his name. Fuck him. That's well, then, the official Alec Robbins, fuck you. Then hey, uh, then yeah, fuck Earthworm Jim. That's terrible. Um, it makes Donkey Kong Country 2 even better. For yeah, trashing. for real. <laughs> Great. Now I never feel like that's another game I never have to play now. Oh, oh yeah. I love it. I don't um, think they were good anyway. Maybe were like visually interesting at the time, but yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, that brings us uh, to the end of the Fact Me By Your Game segment. And lastly, before we go, I have a game recommendation segment. So um, this is, Alec, this is my one force tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name. Um, okay. I am going to treat this as if your great love, you know, this love you can't forget that was super special to you, but you moved on from is Donkey Kong Country 2. And these yep. games are potential let's say partners for you in the future. Sometimes that could be someone, you know, eerily similar to DK country Two. It could be someone wildly different or something you never saw coming. So, okay. um, if, which is funny, you've mentioned a couple ones that I swapped out earlier. You mentioned, <laughs> I almost recommended, uh, Yoshi's Island, yep. um, because it's another beautiful, uh, 2d platformer late in the series. But, my recommendation here, just a more modern, beautiful 2D platformer, is Ori and the Blind Forest, a game I've never played. I have started it. And? And people rave about this game. Uh -huh. And I love Metroidvanias. But you can already tell from my tone, I did not like this game. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not yeah. going to end well. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. I just, uh, not for me. Hey, there we go. Well, uh, well, we know that one didn't work out. So the the second one I have for you, Alec, is <laughs> a sort of uh, another sort of platformer featuring an iconic couple. So this game obviously has Dixie and Diddy. They're they're iconic. I wanted to find another one that features a couple, um, and that would be uh, I always pronounce this game wrong, but that's Ico? Ice Climbers. <laughs> Ice Climbers. <laughs> no. Ice well. Climbers. Uh, is Ico or Ico for the PS2 featuring uh, the kid Ico and Yorda, the, the girl that he escorts around. Love it. You know, I've, um, I'm such a fan of Shadow of the Colossus and I've never played Ico. I, Shadow of the Colossus is another thing I got to play for the first time this year. And like, it's one of those games where it sucked me in so much that that's like I finished it quickly because I that's all I was doing. No, it's so good. So good. And actually I listened to you on the 3D platformers episode <laughs> and I was I felt so like uh 
what is it? Um, I don't know what I felt, but I was so glad that you shared that because I actually I felt stupid. I took it off my list, <laughs> and I should have left it on because then you voted for it, and I could we could have got it on the list. Um, <laughs> lastly, it's definitely it was like a joke answer kind of, but I do think <laughs> it qualifies as a three D platformer. I considered it yeah. um, enough to where it, it meant a lot to me to hear. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've also never played Eco. Uh, lastly, for you, the final recommendation is if your takeaway of the thing that you love the best was a like a wild improvement on an already iconic first game. It's a game you mentioned earlier, and that would be Super Mario Galaxy Two. Love these racks! Hell yeah! There we go. Uh, they're they're for, they're always really fun to do. I always try to tie <laughs> one into like a random thing, and that's what it was there. That um, was good. So that brings us to the end of the recommendations, Alec. And in fact, we are at the end of the show. Um, so I'm going to let you plug whatever you want. And I've got stuff to plug too. But before we go again, thanks. This was so much fun. It's also like, uh, this is always a nice excuse for me to sit down with either someone I know really well or not as well and get to know them better. And I love talking about games and like, we could have probably done this for like three hours. Yeah, no, I, I was in. I'm, I I'm love loving it. it. Killer. Well, hey, uh, I'll we'll 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 get look forward to this releasing someday. But for now, <laughs> Alec, where can people find you? Where can people find Mister Boop? And what do you want people to see? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Mister Boop is the the big one. You can find that on my Twitter at Alec Robbins, or you can go to MisterBoop.net to read them when I remember to update that site. <laughs> uh, that's a not safe for work comic about how i'm married to betty boop it is you just gotta see it if you don't you know do it, yeah I, and i hate to interrupt you alec but i've yeah. told you this before i have had multiple <laughs> like message threads like i think up to three at this point where i've had a <laughs> person who i didn't know would have known what it was bomb the thread and be like do you guys know what Mr. Mr. Boop is? You have to read this. So <laughs> oh it transcends. God. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's so popular. It's so cool to see. So congratulations on the success of it, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, I'm floored it took off the way it did. It's and where you're bizarre. taking it now is like, oh, I, it's awesome. I love self-destructing anything people like that I make. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and then, yeah, you can go to my website, alec.land. I've got stuff on there. You can buy Mr. Boop books there. Um, well, you can buy those at mrboop.net too. There's links. And, oh, you can play Heartbreak High. It's on Steam and Itch. If you buy it on Itch, I get more money than if you bought it on Steam. But, you know, you buy it whatever, on whatever service you'd like. <laughs> or don't buy it. You don't have to buy my game. <laughs> awesome. Uh, was that it for you? I guess so. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, great. Well, uh, this show, of course, is all a part of of the super NPC radio Patreon network. We talked about it at the beginning of the show, but again, if you like this, I did, would highly recommend checking that out uh, at our second tier, the $10 level, you get a monthly roundtable discussion bonus of this show. The first one we did, we talked about breath of the wild for almost two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> the episode that just came out, uh, actually came out most recently was a discussion on super mega baseball three. And then coming after that will be, Final Fantasy 10. Uh, so check that out. The previews are always in this feed, so feel free to get a taste for it if that's all you can do. I understand that's a lot of money per month. Um, <laughs> this show is also produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You should listen to his show, Video Games, a comedy show. Our cover art is by Glenn J, who can be found on Instagram at, at 
Glenn J. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. I sometimes stream at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. That'll do it for this episode. Wait, we'll see you. Wait. Oh yeah, go for it. One Please. more thing. I forgot. There's He's got one re- more thing, everyone. Oh, very relevant. This is like the, the end of the Nintendo Direct where it's, and that's <gasps> not all. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I want to get everyone hyped. There's one very, <laughs> very relevant thing that I've made that we did mention that oh, yeah, people who listen to this and if you liked me talking, you might also like Mariology, which was a 10-part Mario-based talk show where my friends Heather, Alexi, and I uh, sat down and I printed off the box art for every single Mario game and we pinned them all to a corkboard conspiracy board thing <laughs> and tried to chart out the actual chronology of the entire Mario timeline, which includes the Donkey Kong Country games. And I, Whoa. Think, I think we mentioned the Great Ape War at some point, and we must. Uh, but it is... That is obviously an impossible task that's part of the fun of the show it's it's stupid and that's we awesome take it very seriously for it's everyone tells me it's great background noise <laughs> what a compliment <laughs> <laughs> and that's on youtube yeah it's you can also go to mariology.world to watch it okay because i think if you google mariology it comes up with a lot of stuff about the catholic church and the virgin mary and my seo is not very good <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm guessing that's probably not everybody's bag who's listening, but who's to say? Yeah. Um, that's so cool. I, a question for you on that yeah. is, um, will is this something that is like done, or will you keep updating it if in like five years we've got another like two Mario games and Donkey Kong or whatever? We filmed an epilogue because I think after it came out, like Mario Maker Two came out, and oh, Yoshi's Woolly, like not Yoshi's, but something, something else. Like a couple of games came out afterwards, but I didn't ever post that epilogue. And it was so much work that I doubt I'll ever revisit it. But <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We we joked about doing Sonicology too. Oh, there's wow. a tease. There's a tease at the end that I imply we're going to do a Sonicology, which was tongue in cheek. But you know, that's too funny. Thank you. I actually I'm really glad you shared that. I I totally forgot to ask you where I can find Mariology because it's so relevant to the show. Obviously, <laughs> if have you watched it? No, I haven't. But I've okay. I've seen like because you've worn you wear the Mario outfit in it, right? Yeah. I've seen images of you, which I'm like, oh, that's adorable. It's, it was very fun. We all we all wore a Mario outfit, and we filmed it all in one day, and it took us like 10 hours of film. It was nuts. But you, Dang. specifically, you would love it, I think. <laughs> I've got it. I mean, it's now that we're doing this, it's like, okay, I've we, we have talked about it directly. Now it's going to be easy for me to remember and finally check out. Nice. I love it. Well, well, hey, thanks again. Thank, Thank you, you to the listener. Um, this was Alec Robbins and Connor McCabe on this episode of Call Me By Your Game. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank <laughs> you.